Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. And this is the Give First podcast. And in the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities and some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? Welcome back to the Give First podcast. I'm your co-host, David Cohen. Brad Feld is somewhere around here. don't know exactly where, but we have an amazing guest today. It's actually one of Brad Feld's partners, Jason Mendelson. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks for having me. Jason is a managing partner at the Foundry Group and is the co-author of Venture Deals, among many other things, including being an amazing musician. Jason is one of the invisible forces behind Techstars, but quite visible at times as a mentor as well. He's been really around Techstars since day one. So awesome to have you on the show, Jason. Thanks for having me. So wanted to make sure people have your background and a bit about your story. Many people around Techstars know you, but maybe those that aren't as familiar with the Techstars system wouldn't know that you're one of the most incredible mentors we have in the system. And that you've been doing that since day one. But give us a little bit of your personal story and into your career as you got eventually to Foundry Group. Yeah, okay. Well, look, I grew up in downtown Detroit, as you know, and eventually moved out to the suburbs. And I've had many careers. I've been a professional drummer, a software engineer, a lawyer, a company founder, and then most recently a co-founder at, at Foundry as a venture capital firm with my partners. I have always been uh, deeply involved in mentorship, usually on the receiving end. I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't had wonderful mentors along the way. And when you guys all created Techstars, it was just an amazing opportunity for me to give back. And uh, it's been incredible. I I certainly get more out of being a mentor than I give, but I also think it's very important for everybody to give back to the communities. It's a pretty typical path into venture uh, (laughs) through the lawyer route. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was young. I needed the money. Please don't judge me. Well, you know, I know you still get leaned on for that sometimes, but what did you like or not like about that phase of your career? Well, I mean, this will probably discredit me with most of your listeners. I actually loved the intellectual part of being a lawyer. I got to deal with a lot of cool and sticky issues. My nickname around here is Mr. Wolf, uh, as far as the guy who cleans up things. And, and that's really cool. Um, you know, but what I really have enjoyed over time is, is working with entrepreneurs. I mean, people who are creating things, doing exciting things. Also, as I get older, I like controversy less. I like arguing less. I, I like, you know, cooperating and building things. And so making the full-time transition to, to VC has definitely been a gift. And one of the ways that, that I know you uh, get back to the community is, is also spending time at the University of Colorado teaching. Talk a little bit about what you do there. 
Yeah, so I have been adjunct professor at CU for 11 years now, which I can't believe they've let me teach that long, but it's an, it's been an incredible journey. Uh, the class is graduate level. It's about half, about 40% in, uh, 40% lawyers, 40% MBA, 20% engineers. And we teach people about entrepreneurship and venture capital. I have a co-professor, Brad Bernthal, who uh, is amazing. You should have him on the show. And uh, it's been something that's been great. It's also helped refine the book. Uh, venture deals. Uh, as we're, we just released Venture Deals version 4.0, a lot of those refinements have come from the classroom as we're teaching the subject material and figuring out ways to make the material better. Adjunct professor. I think the adjunct means not real. Is that the definition of that? Adjunct means yes, not real. I'm invisible. I don't get paid. I do get a parking pass. So, you know, you can be jealous. I can go park at CU's campus uh, for free anytime I want. I wonder if you can use that for football games. That would be uh, pretty good. Yeah, no, you know, guess what? They're smart enough. They, they exclude <laughs> football games. But thanks for rubbing that in. I appreciate it. You mentioned uh, venture deals. That's, that's what I want to spend time on in this podcast. You know, venture deals is very uh, widely known in the venture community and the startup community as, as really an incredible resource. And to me, it's a, just a, a massive example of give first. I mean, you, you guys, you know, y'all don't need to be writing books to earn a living. You're writing books to share your knowledge and, you know, help people learn and, and succeed. So talk a little bit about what Venture Deals is and, and where the idea came from. So Venture Deals, How to Be Smarter Than Your Lawyer and Venture Capitalist, that's the full title, is basically everything that Brad and I know about raising around a venture capital financing. And it's slanted toward the entrepreneur. And that doesn't mean it's not applicable for VCs or lawyers or other folks. But we, this was, I mean, this was about 10 years ago at this point where we were together and we were really frustrated. We were doing a deal and uh, together and things were just way too hard. And we realized we weren't fighting with the entrepreneur on the deal. We were fighting with the entrepreneur's lawyer who was clueless and didn't understand what really mattered. And we were fighting with the other VC that was going to co-invest alongside of us. And everybody was telling us we didn't know what the hell we were doing. And we, you know, we were making this thing too simple and how these things should be more complicated. And we were just like, no way. So Brad said he was going to start a blog. I said, that's stupid. Who would ever want to read a blog? So he got that one on me and said, why don't we do a series blowing up all these myths about term sheets? And why don't we finally let the entrepreneurs know exactly what VCs are thinking and, and get rid of the black box mentality? And I thought it was great. So we started on his blog. We immediately got hate letters from a tons of lawyers and VCs. And that's when we knew we had done it right. And so now, you know, many, many years later, version four, which has expanded into things about, you know, how to raise debt, how to sell your company, a whole bunch of things, legal issues to work out. We really just want, you know, look, you're, we're not supposed to be making money on terms. I certainly never want to make money on taking advantage of an entrepreneur. And none of this stuff should be rocket science. So we really wanted to give this to the community and say, hey, here are all the secrets. Now, all the bad people in the ecosystem, they can just go away. You know, and that, that version one, when it first came out, you said it was about 10 years ago, I think. Um, I don't even yeah, know that, when it was. Yeah. That was, that was really at a time when there was a lot of mystery around startups and venture capital specifically. And, you know, there was a, a wave of, of people who started blogging and really demystifying it and saying, it doesn't have to be this complicated. Let me explain it to you. And, this was, to me, you know, sort of the quintessential example of that, right? It was, it was putting information out into the world that was otherwise very hard to get, first by blog, and now in this really amazing organized way. 
Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. And by the way, as a little plug for Venture Deals 4.0, we actually rewrote the entire book. It's funny, things that you think are clear in version one and version two and version three, you realize, wow, we could be a lot more clear. And so we've completely rewritten, even though the content in some ways has remained the same, but made it easier. Yeah, it's it's amazing. When you think about when we wrote the book, sure, the internet existed and blogs were literally coming online, but there was no explosion of information. You couldn't just do a Google search on what is a liquidation preference. I mean, it was really the stone age. And here we are where there's a ton of great resources out there. But I still think that our book is the most unbiased source of information. I think you know that we have a, a check. We have one of our friends who's a CEO who comments along the book when he either disagrees or agrees with us. And we take input from readers. Over time, people have wrote us and said, hey, we think this is, this is not right. And we've taken those comments and we've uh, adapted them in the latest edition. That's pretty amazing. I do love that part of the book where you have sort of the juxtaposed position of someone who says, well, I, I think about it differently. And, right. and not most authors are not humble enough to include uh, such a different position. So that's a great feature of the book. The subtitle, Be Smarter Than the Lawyer, you'll say it better than me, but it's something like that. Yeah, it's the subtitles, Be Smarter Than Your Lawyer and Venture Capitalist. So tell me the truth. As an ex-lawyer, you know, you talked about complexity in some of these terms, and you're really dealing with the lawyer on the other end, with the entrepreneur. Are they purposely trying to make it complicated, or do they just think that's what's right? You know, first of all, I think things are way, way better than they were a decade ago. Whether that, whether we can take a small amount of credit for that because of the book, whether the National Venture Capital Association can take some credit for coming out with some standardized documents, whether, you know, folks like Fred Wilson, who, you know, blog prolifically at avc.com, I think the whole, you know, startup village came together to, to open up this kimono. So I think that, you know, if you look at the lawyers these days, many of them have gotten a clue, but there's still some who haven't. And the ones who haven't have different motives. And some are trying to actually run up their bill and make it more complicated. Some actually don't have the experience to know what matters and what doesn't. And so they're going to negotiate every term. And then there's a lot of lawyers that don't do venture financings on a day-to-day basis who have a different mindset. Maybe they do mergers and acquisitions. Maybe they do IPOs. Maybe they do litigation. These winner-take-all situations that they're used to, they bring that mindset to the venture capital world. And it's not appropriate. And that can cause angst, you know, over-complexity and, and high bills. So today for entrepreneurs, I mean, everybody lives in amazing times where you can get this information. And, you know, really when you stop for a moment and just think about the contribution that Foundry Group and and you personally have made to that information availability, you know, Brad's written other books, you've got startup communities, you've got Do More Faster, you've got venture deals. It really is an incredible give to the community. And and again, I know you don't do it for the (laughs) proceeds on the book. You do it to share that information and get it out in the world. So a huge thank you from the startup community for even creating this thing in the first place. I want to ask about the course. You guys also have an online course that uh, is sort of a companion to the book. Talk, Talk about how that works and how maybe people can get involved with that. Yeah, so the course that uh, originally was born out of the Kauffman Foundation that you guys are now at Techstars running was sort of an idea of how do we bring the class that I teach at CU, a small piece of that, to a bigger audience. So the class that I teach at CU is 28 classes. It's the book plus, you know, 80% more, and it's everything I know, and I get to infect 60 to 70 students a year on that. And over 11 years, it's starting to become real numbers as they start to spread out through the United States and, and the world. 
the course is a, a scaled down version of that, but has many of the same concepts, topics. And it's, it's not just the book. It's the book plus the color of if you were reading the book out loud with Brad and Jason. Uh, I love referring to myself in the third person. But it's how that works, and it's us teaching the subject material in our own words. And I think it's a great companion. Uh, we, you know, we take questions. We do ask me anything's that you know, we have live. Uh, I've got one uh, tomorrow, I believe, for an hour. And it's a way to interact with us and, and push us on things. Hey, I, I don't understand this. Or, hey, I was told something else. Or, hey, it's different in my geography or whatever it is. You know, we've been doing this for 50 years collectively now, Brad and I, which dates us horribly. And, you know, we're, we're always up for a good discussion. And that's part of what the class is. It's, it's supposed to be an online discussion. Awesome. So it's sort of some real-time stuff in combination with extra content around the book. How do people get access to that? Can anyone go and take that course? Yeah, and it's free too. You you guys have done a great job. I mean, speaking of Give First, you've taken over that course. You've taken over the platform. You guys promote it and run it. It's been absolutely wonderful. I'm glad that it, it, it it's still out there. Because I think this year alone, we've got to over 4,000 people signed up. So, I mean, you know, at this point, we're, we're talking tens of thousands of people have taken this course. And I'm very proud of, uh, proud of it. I'm very proud that it's free. And I'm very proud that you guys are our partner in that. Cool. You say you guys, just for the record, I have nothing to do with it. I have no idea how it happens or where it happens. So I'll figure out the URL. I'll post it here in the show notes uh, so people can get access to that and learn how to do that on their own. I want to ask you, what's your favorite part about teaching and, and specifically in the context of venture deals? What, what do you love about it? You know, I got drafted to teach by our current attorney general, Phil Weiser, when he was a professor at the law school. Uh, they had a professor who was leaving for a semester. He wanted me to fill in. I said, I don't know what the hell. I remember showing up in that first day of class being terrified, realizing, wow, maybe I don't love public speaking as much as I thought. <laughs> and maybe I don't know the subject material as well as I thought. And I will say that when you teach a subject that you care deeply about, you find yourself thinking about it in an academic way much more than you would if you're just executing on a daily basis. I think most people who have a job do, you know, they're, they're in execution mode all the time. They don't get a lot of time to just sit and think about their craft. And the beauty of teaching is I get some silent time a lot. <laughs> I get a lot of silent time to think about my craft, think about why I'm making this statement, think about why the world wor works this way and question everything. I think some of the biggest changes I've made as a venture capitalist or, or co-founder at Foundry or some of the biggest ideas have happened either preparing for class in the middle of class or sort of debriefing myself post-class where I'm in this creative, quiet, thoughtful space. And it's just a, it's kind of my, my little safe space. It's a magic little box that my brain gets to run in. And I'm eternally grateful for the folks at CU for giving me the opportunity and eternally grateful for other folks who will listen to me when I, when I do one-off stuff at other universities, podcasts, or, or through the, the class that we teach. A huge point. I mean, to teach is to learn, right? And, and uh, I think the same way with writing. When you're writing about something, you, you get feedback and you learn about it. So Yeah, it's funny you say that. Sorry to interrupt. One of the things, Brad and I for Venture Deals 3, tried to do the audiobook. So we actually went to studios and hour upon hour read the book. And what's very interesting about that is when you write the book and you're reading it in your head, it sounds great. And then you have to say it out loud into a microphone and you're like, oh my God, I wrote the sentence. 
this is the worst sentence ever, which was part of the reason that Venture deals 4.0 as it was, was, was a total refactor in many ways. I love that you say 4.0 like a software engineer. And refactor. <laughs> I, used <to> be, <laughs> I used to be a software engineer. It, it did pay the bills for a while. So there we go. Well, let's talk about some of the content in the book. I'm sure it's hard to pick out some of your favorite pieces or things that you, know, you feel like have helped others the most. But does anything jump to mind? And maybe you could give us an example of the kind of content from the book. Yeah, I think there's sort of two broad things that I'm super proud of. One is we were the people who coined the terms that there's only two things that matter in a term sheet, and that's control and economics. So all the things about term sheets and venture documents and the 100 pages of legal documents that get created after you sign a term sheet, if they don't affect somebody's control of the company or somebody's return, economic return of the company, then it shouldn't matter. And when we were able to create that sort of paradigm, that cut down on a lot of noise and allowed a lot of people to push back on VCs or lawyers and say, hey, how does this affect these two things? And if it doesn't, why are we spending time on it? So I was very proud of that. There's been a lot of people who have stolen that from us, which I'm, I'm proud as well, but we were the ones who created that. The second thing is that we've, we've recently weaved in some of the academic concepts, which I think are really valuable around game theory, around alignment of incentives, around bad actors, sort of, okay, why do we do these things? Like, you know, it's one thing to say this is what's important and what's not, but why do term sheets even need to exist? Why do contracts need to exist? What should you be looking for holistically anytime you agree to something? And sort of having the ability to step outside the particular venture deals world and use some of these lessons for greater life lessons. Hell, even negotiating with your kids. Uh, we talk about that in the book. Those are the things I'm most proud of in the book besides just the nuts and bolts. I got to reread that last section. I've been having several several arguments that I don't appear to be winning at home with my kids. Yeah, well, just 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 because we tell you how doesn't mean you'll be successful. Fair point. Listen, this is a serious, meaty subject. This this venture deals thing, and I, I just want to give people a little a little sense of you. I mentioned earlier that you're a musician. I've been on many boards with you, including the board here at TechStars. You know, one of the most fun memories I have of of you in the boardroom is <laughs> not taking yourself too seriously and. You know, we, we used to pick an artist, a musician, and make that the theme of the board meeting. And it was everybody's job to sort of chip in with the title of a song, you know, that sort of had context to the part of the discussion that we have. So I love doing that with you. You know, I love that you don't always take yourself too seriously, but also you can be very serious. So that's one of my fondest memories uh, working with you. Well, just to just to rub that home, I was wearing my Hall and Oates t-shirt around town yesterday and people were stopping me and I thought of you because that that was a particularly epic board meeting where we were only able to answer in Hall and Oates song titles. So, um, yeah. I don't know if we could ever go for that again, but uh, we could try. No, I think you're pretty out of touch on the whole topic. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, people think we had this planned and we didn't. This is brilliant. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, hey, at the end of each show, we also like to do a rapid fire. Uh -huh. We just want to ask you questions. We would like to get a 30-second answer back. Okay. Or tell less. Us. Or less. Yeah. It doesn't have to be exactly 30. All right. But, uh, Jason, tell us a, a place in the world that you think everybody should certainly visit. Uh, Ljubljana, Slovenia. I've not traveled extensively over the world. Maybe I've been to 40 or 50 places, but I'm not a total world traveler. But there was something about Ljubljana, which was like Boulder, Colorado, in Europe with no cars, great beer, and a nice water feature and cafes down the street. Sounds lubly. <laughs> what about someone, could be someone dead or alive, you know, assuming they would be alive for the actual meeting. But if you were to be able to have dinner with any one person from history or currently, who would that be? 
It might be John Stewart. I actually got to meet him for about 10 minutes, and he was the quickest wit, smartest, charming person I had met who was really, really funny. I think he would be a great dinner companion. You know, I, I have a story about him just as a segue, uh, not to one-up your 10-minute meeting. I played basketball with him and his son. And after I finished playing basketball, I was told who it was. I had no idea. Uh, <laughs> we were just shooting hoops. And, and my wife, Jill, was like, did you know you were just shooting hoops with John Stewart? Uh, so that was kind of crazy. We were randomly at a, a, a resort in Hawaii with him. So awesome. Didn't actually talk to him because I didn't know who it was. We were just shooting, shooting around. Nice job there. Yeah. Um, how about uh, Rapid Fire, a, a nonprofit or a charitable organization that uh, you want people to know about that you think is amazing? Defy Ventures. My wife is the chairperson in Colorado. I'm one of the co-founders of the Colorado Vision. We bring entrepreneurial education inside of prisons to transform their hustle into great life skills so that when they get out, they know what to do with their entrepreneurial mindset, which most people who end up in prison are entrepreneurs in their own unique way, but trying to transform that in a legal way. Very, very proud of what we do. Defy Ventures, Colorado. Thank you for supporting. Incredible organization. Last rapid fire question, something about my co-host and your co-founder that you, you can embarrass him with that you're willing to share. That I can embarrass him with. You know, I, I could embarrass him to say that he should never be allowed on a bicycle because he doesn't have much balance. I could embarrass him uh, by a whole bunch of stories. But I, you know what? What comes to mind is his generosity best story ever. I was a partner with him at an old firm called Mobius Venture Capital for many years and didn't get paid. And I just did it because that's what you do. And after working there for 20 years, he bought me a 1971 convertible orange Corvette Stingray. And so I'd like to embarrass him, but maybe I'll embarrass him about how generous and wonderful he is. And, and we'll go from there. I think that'll do the job. Jason, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for writing Venture Deals and all the other amazing things you do, uh, not just around Techstars, but for the global startup community. Super, super helpful. Well, thank you too. I'm proud to be your partner in a few of these things. And you, as you know, I am uh, here at your disposal. Jason Mendelson, everybody. Thanks, Jason. Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. And please leave a rating and review, ideally a good one, and reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, Give First. <laughs>